Hi, and welcome to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge with Senior Ministers John and Anne Juliano. Have you ever wondered about how to better connect with God? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with in this week's show, where you'll learn how to more fully love God, grow spiritually, and help others. But this morning, I want to talk to you about the leap of faith, responding to the call of God. If you have your Bibles, open up to Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 to 8. And um, if you also want to open up to Acts 26, verse 16, you can do that. There's, there's two texts. But while you're opening up to these verses, and uh, by the way, I've got myself a new Bible, and uh, the only highlighted verses in my new Bible are those two verses so far. And... <laughs> And they're highlighted, they're the first ones, and and you're going to see the importance of that. Responding to the call of God. For me, something happened on the 4th of January, 1978. We we, we were at a camp in in Melbourne. It was a, a special camp that every year I look forward to going to this camp because it was the gathering of the... Italo-Australian Pentecostal Assemblies of God. And the list goes on. It just narrowed it right down to a very small group of people. But nevertheless, the smaller the group, the, the, the more connected you are to the tribe, the more you relate. And, um, and so I can still remember back then, the, the, the top of the hit parade songs was Joy is a Flag Flown High. How many of you remember that song? Joy is a flag flown high. Now, the only issue was that we had New South Wales people and Victorian people. And so the next line is from the castle of my heart. Joy is a flag flown high from the castle of my heart. But all the Victorians would say from the castle. How many of you, how many of you say castle? How many of you say castle? Yeah, there you go. Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. Anyway. And, uh, but th- then the next line is this. So fly it high. So joy's a flag flown high from the castle. So fly it high in the sky. Let the whole world know. And they were the days of actions. How many of you remember the days of actions? And so we'd all, we'd all do this. You know, so fly it high in the sky. Let the whole world know. Let the whole world know. Let the whole world know. So fly it high in the sky. Let the whole world know that the king is in residence there. The only problem is that when new people come, they don't get it. (laughs) They don't get it. So they're looking around at 300 people going, there's a fly in the sky. Let the whole world know. (laughs) Let the whole world know. Let the whole world know. There's a fly in the sky. Let the whole world know. They were literally thinking we were pointing to a fly in the sky. And uh, they were thinking, these people are crazy Pentecostals. And so then we finished singing the song, and the preacher comes up. And his name was Ezra Coppin. Uh, Ezra came from, you gotta, you got to believe, there's only one place where an Ezra can come from. In 1978, that was the deep south, and... And, uh, and Ezra, I cannot remember one word of his sermon. Seriously, I can't even remember the text that he preached from. When he got to the end of the sermon, he said, I, I, I feel the Holy Spirit is saying that 
God is calling. God is calling. God is calling young people. God is calling you. And if you feel the moving of the Holy Spirit to respond to the call, I want you to step out of your seat and come and stand here at the front. And I tell you, the Holy Spirit moved upon me. On that Wednesday evening of the 4th of January, 1978, and I stepped out of my seat and I went forward and I had a God encounter. A God encounter, not just me, but a whole bunch of my friends. And there would have been maybe 40 young people out of that camp that stepped out of their seats and, and went forward to the response of that altar. And I can still distinctly remember, this is not to say that right now you're going to launch into ministry. This is, this is you responding to the call. This is leaving it up to God, but you saying, I surrender, I'm available. Now, I was 18 years of age at the time. I'd just finished my first year in Bible school. And, and for those of you that have heard this story before, I'm going to tell it again. <laughs> I'd just finished my first year at Newcastle University studying architecture. January is it's the break in between. I already bought my textbooks for the next year. Already, you know, I was on course to be and I, I, you know a Christian person that loves Jesus. And uh, but I, you know, I had a career. I'm going to be. I was going to be an architect. And uh, and you've got to really understand. And Rocco understands. And Olga understands that when you know our parents came to Australia. They so desired for their children to get an education because they knew, they knew that the doorway to prosperity was education. And, uh, but they came from the deep south of Italy where there was no way that they could afford or open the doors for their kids to be educated at a university level. And so when I got accepted into Newcastle University to study architecture, it was a very proud day for my father. It was a very emotional day because for him, it was like my dream is coming true. 1952, I came to this country to set up a better, a better life for my kids. And it was just such a big thing. It's just um, such a big thing. And, um, and so, so, you know, he's, he's, he's really proud of that. So I had this encounter with God on the Wednesday night. Then... That next weekend, we traveled back to Newcastle. And uh, now I'm praying about this altar call, this experience that I had at the front and the presence of God and this incredible, incredible encounter with God the previous week. And I, I remember being in my bedroom, the door shut, and uh, I was worshiping God. I can still remember I was playing my guitar and, and singing, Within the Veil, I Now Will Come into that holy place to look upon your face. You're going to have to excuse me this morning because the presence of God's all over me. And I'm really believing that God's going to use this message to launch others into the call for their lives. Step over that threshold. Come to the crossroads of their lives and take the God path that forever will change the destiny of your life. And so I'm in the presence of God and just so enjoying the presence of God. And, and, I, and I began to pray. And I said, Lord, 
I, I responded to that call, but I've got no idea when. I don't, know, I don't know how. I don't know how it's going to come to pass, but I'm open. But speak to me. But speak to me. And, and what happened was that God led me to open up the Bible, and I can still remember this so distinctly. I opened up the, I know I was reading back then the Living Bible, not the old King James. The new King James hadn't been launched by then. And it was still the Living Bible, and I opened it up to Acts chapter 26, verse 16. It just fell open. It was, I just can't remember how it happened, but I felt the Holy Spirit lead me to Acts 26, verse 16, this scripture. And this is what it said to me, just specifically, as I was praying this prayer. Here's the Lord speaking to me. It said, but rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister. And those words just leapt out of the page. It was like, oh my goodness, this is not a nebulous call. This is a specific call to make you a minister. That word minister, incidentally, is someone who has been appointed under an authority to communicate a message. Someone who is submitted to someone in a higher authority to communicate a message. Yes, it's servant, but more so than servant, it's an official servant with an assignment under the overseer. A minister. And then it moved on and it was, uh, and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things that I will yet reveal to you. And I felt the Holy Spirit saying, John, now's the time. Now's the time. And I felt the Holy Spirit saying, rise, stand on your feet. Now is the time. It's not in five years' time. It's not in 10 years' time. Stand on your feet. Now's the time. So I went and spoke the next day, I think it might have been, with my parents. And I said, Mum and Dad, I, I need to have a conversation with you. I need to talk to you. So we sat down and, and I told them the whole story. And I said, this is what happened. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit came upon me. And, and I really feel that uh, I need to finish university now and go to Bible school and prepare myself for the ministry. And my father was, you know, you've got to understand that my father was an elder of the church at that time, a spiritual man, a godly man. My mother, pastor's daughter, um, certainly in our home was the more connected, hearing the voice of God. And my father was, you know, stable, elder, lovely man. But my mother's always been the, the hearing the voice of God. How many of you know that some people can hear the voice of God clearer than others? And dad sort of had a confidence that she could hear the voice of God, that he was, you know, sort of solid, stepping, you know, very, very solid Christian. Anyway, so I, I finished the conversation with him. And so my father then says, Son, that's, that's lovely that God's called you into the ministry. He said, uh, but, but I know how pastors live. He says, I, I'm the treasurer of the church. I pay the pastor. I know how much they get. He says, I don't want this for you. He says, I've come to Australia to give you a good life. I've come to Australia to set you up financially. So first, you finish university. 
And then we'll talk about Bible college. Then we'll talk about the call of God. But first you get set up financially. And then we'll talk about the ministry. So I, my response was, I, I don't feel that God's telling me to finish university and then go to Bible school. I feel that God is saying now. And my father said very clearly, that's the end of the conversation. How many of you got dads like that? That's the end of the conversation. So I said, okay, fine. So then I went back into my room and I said to God, God, you have a problem. This is not my problem. This is your problem. I'm willing, but I'm also submitted to my parents. And so there's nothing too difficult for you. You have to turn the situation around. It's your problem. So, and I, and I just left it to God. Now, so now we're talking the next Sunday. So this is 4th of January. I get the answer to the altar call. The following week, Tuesday, I have the conversation. Now we're talking Sunday, the following Sunday, which would have been the 15th of January. My mum and dad are driving to church. The two of them in a car driving to church. They would... See, Dad actually um, gave me the family car when I went to university. So, and he bought himself a brand new XC Falcon. And so, um, and so he, he, he loved the Falcon for about one week. Actually, he hated the Falcon. He had this little Cortina that he could park easily, and the Falcon was such a big car. Then he says to me, the, you know, the following week, he says, Hey, son. Is it okay if you give me back the Cortina? I said, sure, Dad, it's yours. He said, you give me the Cortina and I'll give you the Falcon. So I'm driving a brand new Falcon, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, I really felt like the son that had made it in the world already at 18 years of age and I'm doing burnouts. Oh, I won't even talk about that with a brand new car. And Anyway, so uh, what you sow is what you reap. And uh, Anyway, that's another story. Um, so... So mum and dad are going to church and, I mean, we're, they're only living about two or three kilometers away from church. But on the way to church, my mum starts crying in the car. She starts crying in the car and, and my dad pulls over, he pulls the car over and says, why, why are you crying? And then she looks at him and she says, I need to tell you something that I've never told you before. Dad switches off the motor. What is it that you have to tell me that you've, never, that you've never told me before? So she begins to tell the story of what happened to her in Italy when she was 15 years of age. So we're talking 1949, 1950, around that time. And she says, you know, I was, I was in the field. I was in... Because my grandfather owned some property in the south of Italy. They had some animals. They had some goats and they had some sheep. And, and mum's job was to look after the animals. She says, you know, I was out there looking after the animals. And, and uh, while I was, they were feeding, I had an encounter with God. She says, I had such an encounter with God that it forever changed my life. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave me utterance. I had this incredible encounter with God and I felt so in love with God that I wanted to give him something but I had nothing precious that I could give him 
And so I said to God, God, if one day I get married and you give me a firstborn son, I'm going to give him to you. And then she looks at my father and says, John doesn't belong to us. He belongs to God because I gave him to God when I was 15. Then my father started to cry in the car. And he looked at her and he began to say, if you gave him to God, I'll give him to God as well. And so that afternoon after church, they called me in. They said, son, God spoke to us and said, it's time to release you. And we're happy for you to finish university and go to Bible school. That was Sunday the 15th. The following Saturday week, the 28th, I had to give the Falcon back to Dad. He gave me back the Cortina, and I was filled the Cortina with all my worldly possessions, and I was driving up the mountain road to Katoomba, which was our Bible school then. I'd been accepted miraculously. Don't know how, but uh, they, they accepted me just with a quick application. They said, yes, John, we know who you are. Um, we've got a place for you at the college. And within two weeks, I was sitting in class preparing myself for ministry. God made a way where there was no way. Do you know, I can still remember driving up the road to Katoomba by myself in the little Cortina, thinking, what have I done? I'm thinking, what? What does my future hold? Looking at this 18-year-old kid's life, thinking, all I'm doing is obeying God, not having any idea what God was going to do. Here we sit 40 years later, looking at 40 years of ministry endeavors and looking at how many churches have been planted, how many missionaries have been sent out. But the point is this is that 40 years ago, I was sitting at the crossroads of my whole life. And on one side of the crossroad is the call of God saying, come, come, come my way. And there were so many voices on the other road saying, come, come our way. And I had to make a decision back there whether I would listen to the call of God and follow his road with all of the dangers, toils, and snares that were associated with that road. But praise God that I obeyed. Praise God that I obeyed. And I'm so grateful, and I'm sure many of you are grateful that I obeyed. Let let, let me talk to you about another call in Jeremiah chapter 1. This is Jeremiah's call. Jeremiah chapter 1. It says this, Before I formed you. So so this is God speaking to Jeremiah. Let's go from verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Wow. Four things from this verse that I want to bring to your attention. Number one, I formed you. Number two, I knew you. 
Number three, I sanctified you. Number four, I ordained you. Four things that God said to Jeremiah. I formed you. I formed you. You've got to get this. I formed you. This is the Hebrew word, yatsah. It's the same word that was used in Genesis chapter 2 when God formed man out of the dust of the earth. It's the same word that's used between a potter and the clay. How God takes something and puts it together. The Bible says this, that God not only formed Jeremiah, not only formed John Juliano, but God formed you. He put you together. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. You have been formed by God. Everything in your life has been placed there by God. Every gift that you have is not a fluke. It's an impartation in your life from the God who formed you. Every ability that you have is not your own. It's something that God has placed within you. Then it says, I knew you. Before you were born, God knew you. He breathed life into you. And, and that word, knew you, is, is just such a fascinating word. It's the same word, yada. It's the, it's the word yada. And it's, it's a euphemism that's used many times in the Bible, Adam knew Eve. And it talks about intimacy. And, and he's God saying, I knew you. And I was intimate with you. I placed my seed of life within you. I knew you. I formed you. I knew you. I loved you before you loved me. I came looking for you. I know you and loved you. See, this is the thing. So often we're we're pushing God back because we think if he really knows us, he won't love us. God knows you and still loves you. God knows everything about you and still loves you. Matter of fact, even when you were at your worst, God loves you. The Bible says that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why? Because God loved us. How awesome is that, that God loves you? He formed you. He knew you. And then then here it is. This is what God wants to do now. He wants to sanctify you. That word sanctify means to set you apart for divine service. I want to set you apart for divine service. See, the sanctification, this word that's, that's very much a theological word, was, was what was done with the vessels in the temple before they were used for divine service. They were sanctified. They were cleansed. They were washed. Then they were set apart. You've been sanctified for divine service. You've been dedicated. You've been consecrated. And what a beautiful thing when we get our little children and we bring him here for baby dedication and we consecrate him to God and say, God, it's yours. This baby is yours. This baby is yours. The only problem is this. Sometimes we don't know what we're asking for. Because when I was a little baby, back in 1959, my parents, both of them, brought me to church. And, and they, they dedicated me. 18 years later, God comes knocking at their door and saying, you know that little baby that you dedicated 18 years ago? Well, he's mine. So give him back. And, and, and it's like, whoa, hang on here. God says, hey, if it's consecrated, it belongs to me. But everything gets better when God's fingerprints are upon them. That's something we've got to get hold of. Everything gets better when God's fingerprints is upon them. I formed you. I knew you. I sanctified you. I ordained you. 
That word ordained. See, see, we've 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 now made it a theological term. You know, well, you know, John Giuliano is an ordained minister. Before it was a theological term, it was a mass-used word. And that word ordained means you were commissioned. You were commissioned for assignment. You're a person that's been commissioned by God for an assignment. And that assignment is totally totally connected to the forming of God, the knowing of God, the sanctifying of God. God placed within you everything that you need for that assignment. You have every, every, it's, it's like, you know, I mean, James Bond on assignment. But before he's released, he's given everything that he needs. He's given his gun. He's given his license to kill. He's given all the secret gadgets. It's like, mate, we know how the story finishes. We know how the story finishes because we've written the script. You actually get to be the hero. You get to win. But there's going to be a few incidences in just to keep everything interesting where it looks as if you're going to die. It looks as if the bad guys are going to win. It looks as if it's all over. But don't worry about it. It's all part of the script. I, I, I put the script together. I put the story together. I know how it finishes. He's putting your story together. He knows how it finishes. You're the hero. You get to win. Oh, come on. Can anybody say amen to that? Or am I the only one excited about that? I commissioned you. Yes, you're going to go through your ups and downs. Yes, yes, yes. It's all part of the script. Your ups and downs. But don't ever think for one minute that when you're down, it's the end of the story. Your story is not over. Your story is... I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, your story has hardly begun, let alone being over. Let alone being over. Come on. I've got 10 minutes. Come on. When God calls us, our first response normally is excuses. How many of you how many of you can come up with a lot of excuses? Maybe some of you right now. Liz, why don't you come up and play for me? Because I'm I'm gonna bring it in for a landing in about thirteen points. <laughs> he's he's Jeremiah saying, Oh Lord God, I can't speak. I'm a youth. I can't speak. I'm a youth. You're calling me, but can I give you some excuses? Huh? How many excuses do you want to come up with? See, some of you, your excuse is, I'm too old. (laughs) It's only the guilty conscience that's drawing me there. That's all. That's all. You know, you know, one of the blessings that we have in our church is Helen Rogers. Uh, she, she is the answer to that excuse. Because uh, she launched as a baby of 60 years old. I'm still going strong at 81. God, I can't speak. I'm a youth. That's, how many of you remember when God called Moses? Oh, my goodness. How many excuses did he come up with? Uh, what about when God called Gideon? Uh, how many excuses did he come up with? Uh, there's so many excuses. But can I give you God's answer? 
I'm going to give you God's answer to every single excuse. I'm going to go through every single excuse known to man and give you God's answer to every single one of those. Okay? But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just leave out all the excuses known to man and give you God's answer to every single excuse that you can come up with. But God, I'm too young. He's God's answer. I'm going to be with you. But God, I'm too old. He's God's answer. I'm going to be with you. But God, I'm not eloquent. He's God's answer. I'm going to be with you. But God, what if they don't believe me? He's God's answer. I'm going to be with you. But God, I haven't finished university. I'm going to be with you. But God, I'm not educated. I'm going to be with you. Come on, what excuse have you got? Because I've got God's answer for your excuse. And the only answer that you need for your excuse is the presence of Almighty God that will never leave you nor forsake you. Started the thing. We'll finish the thing. I'll be with you, says the Lord. I'm going to be with you. I just love, I just love the way that Matthew finishes. You know, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And then we leave out the last part. And lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. I love that. I'm going to be with you always right to the last millisecond right to the end I'm going to be with you I'm going to be with you God calls you a fellow laborer see he says look you know what I can do it all by myself but I just want you I'm just looking to anoint some hands come on hold out your hands see God wants to anoint those hands God wants to anoint those hands put your hands on your mouth God wants to anoint that mouth. He wants to put his words in that mouth. Have a look at your feet. God wants to anoint those feet. He wants to take you places. He wants to take you places. All that he's looking for is someone that will just overcome those two giants. The giant of fear and the giant of mammon. Oh, I wish I had more time to talk about these two giants. But go back to my teaching on the seven giants that we've got to overcome because there's a giant of fear and a giant of mammon, the giant of materialism. Because let me tell you something, that giant nearly stopped me. The giant of mammon, not the giant of fear as much. Though that giant, you still have to overcome fear of man, fear of failure, fear of spiritual forces, whatever it is, there's lots of fears there. But mammon is a big thing in our society. It's a big thing for my culture. And it's a big thing for some of your cultures as well. Because it's like you've got to do well financially to do well in life. Do you know what? Can I tell you, 40 years later, Anne and I lack nothing. Anne and I lack absolutely nothing. You know, the the thing is this, that, that the barrel doesn't have to be full for you to get your full. See, your full can come out of this much of the barrel because you can't eat and drink and utilize all of the barrel. And what God does is this, is that he actually causes your barrel 
to come down to low. So what? So that you remove your trust out of full and you put your trust into Almighty God. Because if your trust is the full barrel, you're not trusting God. Oh man, there's, there's so much teaching on that that I'll do some other day. But you know what? When we started in ministry, God spoke to us very clearly. John, you keep money out of your heart and I'll keep it in your pocket. And you know what? God's caused, caused us to be millionaires as a church, as individuals. We're millionaires. We live, we live the life of millionaires. Huh? There's no limit. There is no limit. Absolutely no limit. We live the life of multi-millionaires. How awesome is that? But you know what? Back then, Mammon said, oh, no, 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 no. If you go God's way, you will be a poor, miserable pastor. Oh, yeah, no, they've got a motto in churches. Lord, you keep them humble and we'll keep them poor. That was, that was like the church mottos back then. And, and so, but what God has done to us is that he's just kept pouring out his blessing kept pouring it out. And you know what? When God pours it out, we pour it out. God pours it out onto us, we pour it out onto others. We don't hold. And you know what? When, when you've got a channel that flows, it's always full. It doesn't clog up. And so we've learned the spirit of generosity. And God says, I'll give back to you, pressed down, shaking together, running over in your lap, and abundance will come your way. And that's awesome. But you know what? We had to take that leap of faith. And that leap of faith is the final thing that I want to talk to. The leap of faith. That leap of faith where you launch and you just got to believe that God's there to catch you. The leap of faith. Are you willing to take that leap of faith? Because if you don't, you'll get stuck. You'll get stuck in materialism. You'll get stuck in fear. You'll get stuck in small living. You'll never accomplish the fullness of your life. You've got to, get, you, you've got to launch out and, and not listen to every voice that's trying to hold you back. Now, there is the timing of God. I've got no doubt about that. And you need to get the timing of God as I did. And there's another story involved in getting the timing right because I wanted to launch when I was 16, but the timing was wrong. Two years later, the timing was right. And there's always getting that timing right. And sometimes the Holy Spirit basically says, you've got to get the timing right, but you've got to launch into the call. You've got to launch, take that leap of faith and say, God, if you've called me, then you're going to support me. You're not going to cause me to fail. And in a couple of weeks' time, well, next week, we're going to have a special sign-up for those that want to do internships. An internship for us is, you know, give, give this a go. Prepare yourself. Take a year off. Take a year off and, and just get into a whole spiritual level and then do, just do something for God that's amazing. Now, can I just say to you that not everybody that is called is going to be called to be a full-time pastor. But you're going to be called to do something, to do something awesome for God. Let me finish by saying this. Last night, Anne and I had the privilege of going to um, the Rice Rally. How many of you have heard of Rice Rally? It's, it's, it's a rally that's really focused on ABCs. Do you know what an ABC is? Huh? Asian-born Chinese. And uh, you, you could play spot the Caucasian there because Anne and I stood out. And so I, I said to Anne, do you think anybody will, will recognize that we're pastors? Here we are, Caucasian, dressed the way we are. We're not young. We're, uh, we're um, yeah, we're not elderly either. But, uh, 
But Steve, the evangelist that started Rise, incidentally, I've invited him to come and speak here in November. He's awesome. He started his first Rice rally when he was 22 years of age. 22 years of age with 100 kids. Little did he know that God was going to bless him. And uh, the head usher was, um, was a stunning young lady that he ended up marrying. That was a bonus for him doing the first one. Anyway, that was, that's another story. But he started at 22 years of age, launching into his call. And today, he's leading hundreds and hundreds of, of young people. Last night, we were at this rally, and we just saw this stream of young people going forward to get saved. It was so beautiful, just a stream of all these ABCs. There were a few Caucasian kids mixed in, but most of them ABCs, just loving Jesus, moving forward and getting saved. And it was just so beautiful. But you know what else what touched me? Was not just what was not just uh, Steve, but he played a video of this 27-year-old young man from New Zealand that really touched me deeply. He's a 27-year-old. How many of you know 27-year-old is not that old? 27, how many of you think, maybe if you think that's old, that means you're really young. But um, for, for a lot of us, it's not old at all. And, you, and you know, he, he got up there and he said, you know, God's blessed me uh, business-wise. And, you know, I'm the CEO of my company. And, and then he says, and you know what? I want to pay for next year's Rice Rally and give $50,000 for next year's Rice Rally. 27-year-old giving 50 grand. How many of you think it'd be awesome to be able to do that? You know, I looked, back, I looked at that and I thought, do you know what? God's put a calling on this young man as a businessman to sponsor the, the, the ministry. And so that call is just as vital as any other call. And I'm saying, oh God, imagine if every church in the world were filled with businessmen that had a call to finance the kingdom of God. There'd be no financial issues whatsoever in the church. And you know what? So there's, there's young Steve, started as an evangelist, 22 years of age, responding to the call. He's a 27-year-old businessman that's responded to the call. And then let me tell you what blessed me. A young mum. A young mum with three little kids. A young mum that put the whole thing together. A young mum, busy life, doing all sorts of things. Busy life, but she put the whole thing together. She put all the structures together. She's the CEO of Rice. And, and you know what? She's from our church. And her name is Deb Fung, responding to the call of God upon her life. A young mum of three kids responding to the call of God. And can I say to you that every single soul that gets saved is not just connected to the evangelist, it's connected to everybody whose call supports it. Because it's not just one piece of the puzzle that makes it clear. It's everyone. They all respond to the call. Three different calls all added together. So powerful. I don't know what your call is. You might be called to be a prophet. You might be called to be an apostle. You might be called to be a pastor. You might be called to be a helper. You might be called to be a financer. You might be called to be a young mum that can teach kids ministry. But everyone that responds to the call makes a contribution to the extension of the kingdom of God. And all we're called to do is respond to the call. The call, the call, the call, the call. What's God calling you to do? What did God 
ordained for you before the foundations of the world. Are you there yet? If not, maybe today is the day to say, God, I'm responding to your call upon my life. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord, right now, I just pray for every person with a call upon their lives. You might fully know what that looks like. But right now, Lord, pour it in, pour it in, pour it in. I've asked the musicians to come and play this new song called New Wine. And, and we all need new wine. Let's not be old wineskins with old wine, but let's be new wineskins with new wine, ready to respond to the call of God. And as we sing this song together, can I just say to you that if you feel that God's calling you to something, and you just want to make that leap of faith of saying, God, today I'm going to step over the line. You're calling me. I, I, I can't literally tell you what that call is, but God knows what it is. But today you want to make that step of faith and say, I'm taking the leap of faith. I'm going to get out of my seat. I'm going to the front and I'm going to make a commitment to fulfill the call of God upon my life. Thanks for choosing to listen to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge. If you like this week's podcast, then please share it with a friend. More information about who we are is available at lifesource.org.au. On behalf of Senior Ministers John and Ann Giuliano, we look forward to connecting with you next time at the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge.